0: yo 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 this is steve this is episode four of the podcast today we're going to be talking about whether it's a good idea to pay college pl- athletes and uh feel these stories dealing with that uh, different projects and you know without further ado let's play the intro Suckers. get jiggy with us. You know why? Because we're stuck on the island. Okay, so this is episode four. So today trying something a little different. I don't have my camera set up. So if you guys are watching on YouTube, you guys will just be looking at the screen capture. Uh, I might try this from now on, just depending on how uh, how this works out. It's a lot easier to set up, but uh, you know, I think I'll be able to stay consistent with podcasting and stuff like that not let life kind of take its toll on me and so uh so yeah yeah you guys are watching we got the screen capture today i'll be on my tablet so i'll be drawing a little bit and uh and you know going over the going over the usual stuff so yeah you know um today i want to talk about scholarships scholarships degrees college athlete stuff um for those that don't know i play football at um The University of Hawaii, and I was there for three years. Uh, I I played football there for three years, but I ended up um, uh, quitting the team, having my second hip surgery, and then uh, transferring to a different school. As I like, kind of think about it, it doesn't really sound like. uh, I mean the way the way I describe it it, is, you know, I I transferred, but I also got my degree, and so I ended up just going to another school. You know, so I was, I was there for what, like four years. I was there for four years in undergrad and then, uh, but I was only there for three, three years as a football player. And so with that, I ended up getting my degree, got my BA and then I transferred to Oregon State and got there, ended up getting my master's. And so I was there for two years. And so, you know, ultimately, I was there. I've been in college. I went to college for six years. And during those six years, I was a student athlete. And so normally you get uh, four years. You get uh, five years to play four. But... You know, and that that includes like a, a a medical or a red shirt year, and then you get uh and then you get four to play for. Uh, some people do like a, like five and a half years, and that's just uh, with a gray shirt year. And that gray shirt year allows you to uh, come in in the spring, and so instead of starting in the fall, you come in, in the spring. And then you have the opportunity to do a red shirt year and then the four to play four. And so, uh, and so that's kind of in a nutshell how it works. Um, when I was, I kind of got in the, in the middle of the whole, like, you know, June Jones leaving, um, uh, university of Hawaii sort of situation where, um, where it was down to me. I was one of June Jones's recruits. And so when June Jones left Hawaii, uh, Greg and Mackin left with him. And uh, then they ended up going to SMU. And so when, when they went to SMU, um, I, was going to, I was thinking about decommitting and actually going there with them. But I didn't end up doing that because um, they ended up offering Greg McMackin the head coaching job after he got to SMU. And so after, after that, he, uh, they essentially were like, well, if you, if you go on the recruiting trip, uh, there's no guarantee that will we'll keep your scholarship. Um, available for you and so uh, and this Monday this is right before um, this is right before they uh, I want to say like the week or two before signing day so like people were just scrambling around at that point and so it was it was it was a week before a couple weeks before signing day. I was going to go on a recruiting trip uh, to SMU and then uh, and then Hawaii made Greg Mackin the head coach and then they're like well if you go on the if you go on the recruiting trip obviously they knew about it because they would you know, Greg McMacken was at SMU when I set it up, but after that they were like, "Well, if you go on the recruiting trip, we can't guarantee that like your scholarship is going to be there." So I ended up just staying with uh, Hawaii, and for me it, it made sense uh, just because uh, Greg McMacken was the defensive coordinator, Gene Jones is offensive coordinator, and the head coach. But I, you know, on the day to day stuff, like I'll be dealing with the defensive coordinator because I was uh, going to be recruit was recruited as a corner. And so, um, so it just made a lot more sense at that point. Um, and you know, I don't really, I don't regret my decision, you know, cause I ended up, I based my decision off of, you know, what I wanted to, where I wanted to live and the experiences that I wanted outside of football. And so, uh, and so I ended up making my football decision based off of the stuff that like didn't relate to football, but more related to real life in terms of like, if I did get injured and I wasn't able to play again. Would I rather be in Texas or would I rather be in Hawaii? And for most people, they probably rather want to be in Hawaii. And that was me too. I never, um, you know, I've been to like Jamaica once and like, uh, you know, uh, Baja California or Mexico like once or twice, like once or twice. And so, uh, and so I I, like, but like I didn't have a passport or anything, and so I, I didn't. Just I never thought that I would ever like go to hawaii or you know live there do any do any of those things uh just coming from uh, sacramento and you know people just don't really do that very often and so uh, or at least not where i'm from and so uh and so it was just it was just one of those things and so uh and so i ended up making that decision um went there enjoyed it uh and Like when I describe it, it's it's more of like I always say, you know I enjoyed it the first month there and then the like the last month there and part of it is true It's kind of a blur, but like, you know, the experience of learning in Hawaii is uh, it's just a, it's an interesting experience You know, and you know, I ended up getting injured and so I got injured. I tore my hip flexor or like I tore like my labrum and stuff and uh, I would say I tore like my hip flexor my labrum the end of my freshman my freshman year so into my redshirt freshman year and so uh, so I got there in 2008 and then I ended up like going through as a redshirt and then came to spring 2009 and at the end of that I got injured and so I ended up going through the summer with that pain and uh, They're like, oh yeah, you know, like it's, it, you just got to rehab it and stuff like that. And so I ended up having to get like two or three, like two or three, um, you know, second opinions. Luckily I had Kaiser insurance, you know, some people don't like Kaiser, but for them or for me, it actually worked out. And so, uh, so I ended up having to get a second opinion. And then from there, I finally got my, um, my surgery in a uh, fall of 2009 and so i was 19 i had my first hip surgery uh, and the process was like eight months of recovery and so after eight months then i was able to go about like actually work out and stuff and so it wasn't until spring of like the end of spring twenty twenty ten, 2010 yeah it was like spring summer 2010 that I was actually able to work out. And so, uh, so fall to essentially, yeah, fall 2009 to summer 2010. And so I ended up just like working out, doing a whole lot of stuff. And then, uh, ended up, uh, when not when I ended up like making a, making the travel squad for, uh, fall 2010. And so that ended up being my like sophomore year, my, uh, my red shirt sophomore year, but it was actually ended up. Yeah. It was my red shirt sophomore year but ended up being like my quote-unquote like medical redshirt freshman year and so I was a medical redshirt freshman but I was also a sophomore and and then on top of that like in school I was a junior and so it was like this weird sort of dynamic where I was like a junior in school um in like football I was like a a redshirt sophomore and then and um in that I was I was a I was a, you know, medical, medical redshirt freshman. And so from there, I ended up doing, uh, you know, doing pretty decent. Uh, the coach didn't really like my position, position coach didn't really like me. So, you know, that was, that was a thing. But then I ended up, uh, they ended up converting me to a safety in spring 2010. And then I, you know, I had to go through those things. I'd go through a lot of go through a lot of adversity, you know, learning a new position, dealing the kind of the bureaucracy of of all that. And so after that, uh, we made it to spring, uh, fall twenty. Was it? Yeah, it was spring two thousand eleven. Yeah, and then uh and then summer, and then f- uh fall. Twenty eleven, uh, you know, I ended up having my second hip surgery. And so I ended up having that one, and that's when I uh, quit the team. And so from there, that was that was my that was my experience at Hawaii. And so afterwards, I went through uh, fall or spring 20, 2012 graduated, and then I moved over to um, uh, Oregon State and pretty much had you know I would say like the best experience that like the experience that I wanted out of like college uh, college athletics. But from then, uh, you know, just trying to get trying to get my my clearance and all those different things uh you kind of went over like i went through all that stuff and as you know i started going into uh, the creative arts and i started trying to do a whole bunch of different things to the point where um you know i i I was a non-traditional student athlete non-traditional student athlete and so from there after i finished up I, i started doing a whole bunch of uh you know, philanthropic work as a, as an Oregon state athlete, I hosted two art, art exhibits. I just, you know, wanted to use my platform as something that, you know, was, was good for the community. And, uh, that's where I kind of ran into a whole bunch of problems. And so not only did I deal with, you know, the injuries, but I also dealt with the off the field stuff that, uh, that the NCAA kind of just like screws you over with. And so, uh, and so I ended up afterwards, uh, well, yeah, it was to the point where I couldn't, um, you know, I, I hosted an art event, and, you know, there was money involved because they had to pay to come in or, like, pay for donations, and uh, a lot of the proceeds, like, pretty much all the proceeds, I didn't make any money off of it, um, all the proceeds were uh, going to the Boys, and Curl, the Boys and Girls Club and the American Heart Association, as well as the, um, like, a local a local homeless shelter for uh, winter clothing and stuff like that. So the goal is to make like whole of, a whole bunch of um, donations of art and and money and clothing to them so that uh, so that I could endure those harsh winters uh, in Oregon. You know, because it gets really, really cold and it was snowing and stuff like that. And the problem was that uh, the NCAA didn't want me to like see or touch the money. So anything dealing with the money, I literally had to go into another room, uh, even though I was hosting the event, if there were any transactions made, I could actually lose my eligibility. And so I was like, what the heck? Like what, like, this is, this is crazy. You know, I'm trying to do some good. And then like, you know, at the end of the day, like I might lose my eligibility because I'm, I'm uh, cause there's people that are, you know, trying to help me financially with the cause. Um, and so from there, I ended up uh, writing my thesis on on kind of like my experiences, and and then you, you realize that like you know money is always a big thing, and it's not even like the the like that people were, that athletes are being greedy. It's just that there's a bureaucracy on you know like who who can do what with the with the platform that they have, and so it's, it becomes more of a more of an issue of free will and uh freedom of choice and you know an open market opposed to um you know trying to take advantage of the system you know and and i always parallel this to you know when people talk about like food stamps and you know government assistance it's like they're trying to like screw the system over when they should just be grateful that they have what they have and it's like no that's not really the case because there's a lot of things that are being sacrificed and you know, it, it it's a it's a it's a touchy topic, especially when you come into like creative arts and you know people that are creating content nowadays. You know, us being millennials, you know, are creating content. We have our social media followings. We have all these things. But if we weren't a student, we'll be able to uh, would able to we'd be able to work on these things. You know, you're looking at people that have a platform, and they have like a hundred thousand followers, and they're in college. And they like to do art or they like to do video games. And they have people that want to be in part of that stuff, you know, in terms of merchandise, T-shirts, like stickers, signing stuff. And if they, if they weren't an athlete, if they weren't an athlete, they would be able to do all these things and capitalize on them. And actually allow their careers or their brands to fu- to flourish. But because they're part of the NCAA, the only people that are able to do that stuff are the schools or the NCAA. And, and none of the people get, none of the people get, um, none of the athletes get any of that. You know, they get books and stuff like that. And for people that don't know, like the NCAA scholarship only, it only covers the cost of room and board. Like, it only because the cost of room and board and, um, and just regular, uh, like, school books and stuff. They don't count uh, the cost of, you know, miscellaneous expenses, you know. And so, if, you know, you need to get a computer, if you need to get certain things to actually, like, live comfortably, they won't take that into con- consideration in the scholarship. The miscellaneous stuff, that also goes into it. So, you get the bare minimum in your scholarship, you know. And so... You know, it's like if you like to eat a certain type of food, if you like to do certain types of things, they don't really support you in that way, and so, uh, and so it becomes more of like well-being for you know a student, a student athlete. Well-being they don't cover those costs of well-being, so you have to sub- subsidize that. For me, uh, I was fortunate to have you know my dad help me out a little bit. I ended up taking out loans, and so you know the joy of not leaving with debt. I, I wasn't fortunate enough. I'm fortunate enough to have that, um, just because even though I was on a full scholarship, and so uh, so those things kind of just like they, they matter. And so afterwards, I ended up writing a, uh, writing my master's thesis, writing my first book, and then, um, then I got then I got involved with uh, the business of amateurs and the business of amateurs. It's a it ended up being like a study or um, a kickstarted project that was a documentary that got picked up by you know a whole bunch of places, uh, Amazon. Um, you know Hulu stuff like that, and it explores all the different trials and tribulations of the business of college athletics. So the summary is: uh the NCAA is the face for uh, college athletics, and it generates billions of dollars every year for the top universities in the United States. This is the first documentary that challenges the, the NCAA from the perspective of former student athletes. Director uh, Bob Demars, uh, a former USC football player, uh, interviewed former student athletes to. Find the problems and potential solutions regarding players' rights, and uh, and you know just dealing with them and uh, kind of putting the faces to a lot of the different things that were happening. You know, healthcare. Um, you know, the opportunity to you know compete in the free market to pursue liberties that uh, that other students have, and also not be ostracized without due process when things happen. You know, because you get all these different cases of. You know, people getting caught on like sexual harassment cases that you find out they didn't do any of that stuff, and they lost their opportunities because um, there wasn't no due process. And so, um, and so, if you guys are interested. You guys could check out the movie. It's uh, the Business of Amateurs. Uh, it's on uh, Hulu. You could watch it on. Uh, you could watch it on Amazon. You could watch it on YouTube. And and then from there, you kind of. I had a. I did another project called uh, Money on the Border, which is a you know uh kind of like the intro to the to the documentary and so i'll post the links uh to that as well and that was uh that was kind of like a you know the the business you know pretty much the whole thing the whole the whole point in like two minutes and 30 seconds and so from there i also got involved in the college player um the national College college players association which is uh or college athlete players association, CAPA, um, and they're an organization that uh, you know are working for the rights of student athletes. And so, uh, for them, they're like, uh, you know, they're the, yeah, sorry, okay, yeah, they're the they're led by the current former student athletes, uh, including uh, former UCLA uh, player Ramogi Huma. Uh, founder of the National College Players Association, former U.S. Mass basketball player um, Luke Boner, and a former college uh, Northwestern quarterback uh, Kane Coulter, where all they're doing is fighting for the rights of athletes, you know. And according to them, uh, you know, college athletes are getting screwed. They're getting injured. They're getting. Uh, they're dealing with tuition-related deaths. The NCAA enforcement staff has suspended players for selling their own bowl rings, but admits they will not uh, punish the coaches uh, for knowing, annoyingly putting the players in uh, with concussions back in the game. Uh, the NCAA continues to look the other way, admits data showing that half of the athletic trainers purport uh, being pressured by coaches to play concussed players. Um You know, it's just a lot of dirty stuff that is happening. And for me, I've seen it personally where you see people uh, be taken to the back. They'll put IVs in them and they'll like shoot them up with stuff and then they'll put them back in the game because, you know, it's a big game and stuff like that. Um, You know, for the most part, like one point two billion dollars in new TV revenue is playing the NCAA uh, NCAA sports. Yet players are often too stuck with uh, sports related medical expenses. Can lose their scholarships if they are permanently injured, and full scholarships are capped by the NCAA below the cost of attendance by three to five uh, thousand year, uh, thousand dollars per, uh, player per year. Uh, the data has shown that virtually all of the new athletic revenues generated over the last several decades has been spent on excessive salaries and luxury uh, athletic facilities, while college play, college athletes are being denied basic protections. Uh, the NCAA sports has used false notions of amateurism as a, as a guise to siphon revenue that would otherwise be used to protect the college athletes. And the NCAA policy ma- makers are paid handsomely so that these systems don't change. And, um and what CAP is trying to do is they're trying to empower student athletes to uh, change the unjust rules and stuff. And the thing is like, as much as, I love, you know, Oregon State, and I love all the things that they've done for me. You know, when I was getting involved with them and they were, you know, doing all these different changes, uh, I I reached out to the College Players Association, uh, Manly Kane, and we were trying to get something started. And then it came to the point where, you know, the people that I had uh, on campus helping me out, uh, they were inadvertently getting told not to get involved with a uh, college players association and uh and particularly trying to organize students to get stuff done because in in oregon you know uh oregon's a great place to for like labor laws and like they treat their employees everybody treats their employees good and so having the opportunity to make student athletes employees it allows for you to get these protections, get these, uh, get these unions started, get all these things started. That way, if something d- bad does happen, you have somebody that's fighting on your behalf. But with, uh, with Oregon State, they essentially were going to threaten people's jobs and their, you know, their job stability essentially in order to, um, in order to not, uh, have this go forward. So being that I'm in Portland, i wasn't able to do as much as i wanted to and it became really exhausting trying to drive up and back and forth uh to to corvallis but with that being said you know they they weren't trying to they weren't trying to go that extra route um just because it it puts them in a in a in a conflicting way especially if they're not winning a lot especially if they're not doing all these different things that uh that they're doing especially and all this stuff compared to um Oregon you know Oregon and Portland State and all those other other places in the Pac-12 and um and it 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 was just kind of sad and so uh and so for me it's like okay when people talk about you know is it good to we shouldn't play the players and all this stuff they get a scholarship and stuff it's like well at the end of the day like uh based on my research like like scholarship athletes are based on their scholarship scholarship athletes are getting paid like what five dollars an hour four dollars an hour for all the work that they're doing and so um and they're making the they're making the companies a lot more money than uh than what they're getting they're not getting they're getting a fraction of it and even if you're a bench warmer and stuff like that you still have a role on the team and so um so there's there's guys that are walk-ons that are doing stuff there's guys that are on scholarship that are trying to like release music that are getting banned they're losing their eligibility just because they're posting stuff on iTunes, you know, uh, it's like that stuff isn't cool. And so, you know, if they're not going to pay players then they need to take off all these restrictions to where they're not going to get in trouble for selling their own stuff. They're not going to get in trouble for, you you know, like getting sponsorships for the stuff that they do. They're not going to get in trouble for, uh, going into the free market with the skills that they have. Um, and and trying to capitalize on it because as long as they go on like their role as a football player isn't the their themselves but it's the role that they have you know if they play and they do well cool and if they and if they want to do some stuff afterwards and and try to make a little bit of money afterwards you know sell some autographs and stuff you know cool not everybody's going to get paid thousands of dollars for an autograph but also You know a regular student could sign an autograph or could have a social media following and if you're going to treat them like if you want them to be treated like regular students actually treat them like regular students on both sides and don't have this like you know weird pseudo just trash you know like just like things need to be a lot better and so uh and so until things get a lot better like i was probably not going to get any you know if things don't get a lot better you know, something there's going to be, there's going to be a breaking point because people are going to start speaking out a lot more and and it's going to hit people's bottom dollar. It's going to hit people in the pockets a lot more. And so, you know, we had a recent wave of it. Um, and then it kind of subsided and things were changed, but not really that, that much. And so I think until like people like more and more injuries start to happen and there's more accountability, um, you know, we're probably not going to see much. Like it's a, you could tell that this is, it's like, it's like guns rights, you know, it's, People are okay with it until things bad things happen, and then people are going to be aware of, uh, you know, concussions more. People are going to be aware of, you know, the bureaucracy of it. But until then, you know, we're probably not going to see much of it until uh, another big name case goes about it a different way. You know, unless somebody up and leaves for the draft and after like one year tries to dodge NCAA, you know, like we're probably not going to see any like you just never know you never know and so uh so with that that's my time i will catch you guys on the flip side i'll post uh, i'll post this this is what is this uh, wednesday november 14th yeah wednesday november 14th so uh so i'm gonna post this up post the links to it and uh i'll catch you guys on the flip side so adios